Welcome to Talk to My Assistant, everything you never wanted to know about being a Hollywood assistant. This week, I sit down with a newly promoted TV exec at an independent studio. That's right, he got promoted, and he had a really interesting path to getting there. He had to jump around between different companies and even take a sidestep to get to a company where he actually had room to grow. Um, He also worked really, really hard. In fact, at one point he said, I'll sleep when I'm promoted. We go into his background and kind of talk about how he started in the industry because all of that's crucial to getting to where he is now. He shares his biggest mistake, which came down to incorrectly quoting a conjunction, but almost had really dire consequences. We also talk about a particularly horrific job interview where the interviewer kept calling him the wrong name. Also, after this episode, I'm going to switch to releasing every other week. So make sure to subscribe so the next episode drops right into your inbox and you don't even have to think about it. As always, you can see a picture of this week's guest at our Instagram at TalkToMyAssistant and blog TalkToMyAssistant.com. Okay, thanks everyone. This week's episode is sponsored by SpitShield, a virtually undetectable plastic mask that protects your face from projectile saliva while your boss yells at you. SplitShield is made from a thin layer of plastic with breathing holes that is undetectable to most bosses because they're not really looking at you too closely anyways. Try SpitShield for 30 days and see why people are raving that it's literally life-changing. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. The names have been redacted to protect the innocent. Well... So everyone in my family is in law. Um, like my mom's a judge. My dad's a lawyer. My yeah. grandfather's a judge. Uh, and it was just sort of like the natural path laid out for me. And, and I don't say that begrudgingly. It was actually something I was really interested in. Um, and so even my like, I mean, my two majors in college were basically at the con law track um, and then film. Um, and so I, you know, both were always of interest to me. Um, and realistically, I thought like, yeah, I'll do this film thing as like a fun thing to do in college, and then I'll grow up and go to law school. Um, <laughs> so you and, did a lot of film stuff while you're in school. Yeah, and initially my interest was in writing. Um, okay. So I actually like, oh. interned for a screenwriter my junior year, um, and. <laughs> I mean, it was great. At the end of that, I, like, he lived in Malibu, and I drove down to Malibu and like, got a beer with him, and he was like, dude, if you want to do anything else in this industry, like, do that. Writing is like the bane of this industry. You'll get, you know, I think he was sort of at, he was a little bit of like the quintessential jaded writer at the time, because he had gotten paid very well to write on these very big studio projects, but none of them had gotten made. And I think right. that, like, the reason he started doing wanted to write a book that was because, like, it was a tangible thing that no one could then, like, come, right. come and rewrite. And know? he was doing features solely. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And that, yeah, and that, I think that, uh, 
he he kind of gave two you know dual advice one of which was like and this is generic but very sound advice is you know if if there is anything else outside of writing that you think could be interesting to you do that because you should only pursue writing if it's literally the only thing that would make you happy yeah um, and again by no means profound advice nor did he invent that advice but but it was very good for me to hear at the age of 20 because i realized i really like writing i'm like eh, okay at it but it's not and like yes i enjoy it when i'm when it's going well but i don't eat breathe and sleep writing you know and so i kind of use that as an opportunity to at least like pursue other things and then he introduced me to a producing partner of his um, who I then like interned for the summer before my senior year, throughout my senior year, uh, and actually when I graduated, that the first thing I did was like basically go back to work for him. It was a very good experience because he was just a very good dude and had like an, you know uh, a prolific career in the '90s. Unfortunately, this was 2012, and he had, as a lot of independent producers at the time, just like sort of once you go out of the limelight a little bit, you just kind of become more and more tangential to the industry and so he was working on projects that may or may not have ever gotten off the ground and he like left to go on set for this movie um it's very very small movie that was shooting in new orleans and offered to like bring me with him and i was just kind of like if i go down this path like i will basically be solidified myself in in this very sort of small off to the sides world which i didn't know whether or not that would long-term be interesting to me, but I, I'd kind of gotten the sense, like, once it's hard to go from really small to much bigger, and yeah. I wanted to sort of, like, you know, I was in L.A. to be in Hollywood, like, to potentially pursue, like, the more ho- the Hollywood, the larger right. Hollywood-isms. Yeah. Um, um, so when he left, I uh, was like, okay, I, I'm going to go look for something else, and I basically ended up taking a paid internship at a studio, which was just literally like getting coffee for the executives and like their assistants. Um, you know, I, I, I love when you're an intern and you're like partially the assistant's assistant, like getting them coffee. My, my mother loved to tell people that I graduated, um, I graduated, uh, Phi Beta Kappa to be the assistant to the assistant. <laughs> <laughs> Um, What's Phi Beta Kappa? Some is that like cum laude kind yeah. of thing? Okay. Um, you can take that out too. <laughs> no, that is staying in. <laughs> um, but but yeah, it was. I mean, you know, I can laugh about it now, and honestly, I laughed about it then. But I think it was really it like it was very hard to tell my very high achieving parents who had you know graduated, went straight to law school, graduated top of their law school classes, and then got incredibly well-paying jobs at law firms you know at the age of 24 that I was taking a paid internship and right. even explain like how this possibly turns into a career down the road did they take it well or yeah it wasn't like it they, it wasn't a fight they just were genuinely confused by it they're you know yeah like, how is this path like how does this turn into an executive job and and right. the truth is like I didn't fucking know I was yeah. like, kind of going on blind faith um but I do remember I mean I remember being really embarrassed going home to Thanksgiving and being like yeah so like my day is usually like 
the assistants will call me and I'll be like, oh, go get coffee. And then, yeah, I'll go to lunch run. And like, maybe if I'm really lucky one day, I can answer the phone for an hour. Yeah. And like, really? That's lucky? Yeah. Uh, but that, you know, I didn't, from the very sort of few conversations I had with people, I was like, this is the path as far as I know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the only other path that had been presented to me, um, which is sort of the, you know, the advice or the, the, path many people hear about was like you could graduate and go straight to a mail like go to the mail room in an agency and probably out of arrogance um and a little bit of fe- cowardice arrogance <laughs> um and a little bit of cowardice i just really did not want to go to the mail room i like you know someone's like oh you should read the mail room so you know what it's like and i read that and i was like fuck that yeah. i do not want to get stapled yeah. thrown at me doesn't sound like fun enough to make it worth it um, and so, truthfully, like, all of my efforts were more or less to avoid the agency route. Ironically, when I then sort of came to, like, the six-month mark at that studio, and I was going out for jobs, and people were like, look, you seem smart, a little arrogant, but mostly <laughs> I'm just going to hire this person who already has agency experience. Right. So I went, after, like, three months of that, I eventually went to... An agency, I kind of kicking and screaming, went to uh, one of the talent agencies that I, two of my college friends were working at. So I was like, okay, if there's ever a time to do this, might as well do it. And like, I have two people who I genuinely really like working there, and like, we'll be in the trenches together. Um, and I was very surprised at how much I actually ended up enjoying the experience. The thing that no one ever told me before in trying to like sort of pitch the agency route, and I wish they had emphasized it more because it's certainly the greatest asset. Um, you know, I graduated college and I lived in LA for about a year before going to the agency. And then in the course of that year, I had three friends, maybe made three, like maybe three friends in LA. Right. Yeah. I entered the mailroom and I left a year and a half later. I had like a hundred people who I like legitimately liked. And then another yeah. 70 people who I at least, I, I knew like, them. I can hang. <laughs> I call them friends, but yeah. I know them. Um, and truth, I mean, you know, some of my closest friends today, literally like my best friend in the industry was in my mailroom class and one of my other closest friends is like, you know, in the mailroom with us. And so that, I, I don't know if it's camaraderie through misery, you know, through misery or just like genuinely you find people that you like there, but there's no other place in the industry or really in like any industry that I can think of where you're like, you're, you know compiled with all these other right. people who have the more or less the same ambitions, the same interests, and are the exact same age. And, like, the social part of it was really fun. Yeah. Um, and, and no one ever, like, pitched it that way. They were always like... You'll really? Cut your te- yeah, they're like, you'll cut your teeth, you'll, you know, like... Yeah, you'll get a, you'll, you'll get like a book or two thrown at you, but like that makes you tougher. And you're like, that sounds fucking terrible. I, I wish someone had been like, it's really fun, because it yeah. is really fun. Well, and especially when you're in the mailroom and no one tells you to, like, enjoy your time there, mm-hmm. I feel like, because that's when you can make friends and just kind of fuck around, totally. you know? And There's then no you get on a desk and you everything changes. For, no, for sure. I Yeah, and that, that is, like, I think especially because I was had sort of already felt like I was, like, 10 months behind or, you know. Yeah. Um, I was even more Which anxious. is hilarious in retrospect, right. but in the time, I yeah, can understand it how it so feels so real. intense. You're like, yeah. oh, God, like, what am I going to tell my parents if I'm still in the mailroom? Yeah, yeah. Um... Uh, but yeah, so I was super anxious to get out 
And then as soon as I got on a desk, I was like, fuck, man, it was yeah. so easy. All we Same. had to do was, like, sit on a couch and just, like, yeah. hang out with people. Sometimes, like, get some steps in, push in the car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> um, I did my, like, year and ha- kind of always had sort of laser focus on I'm going to use this to kind of get to the next thing. Yeah. Um, and, and even that part was, like, obnoxiously handed to me because one of my, one of my boss's client's boyfriends had like just got hired as a higher level executive at a studio which is exactly where I wanted to be and he basically called my boss like oh I'm gonna be looking for an assistant like the week after I'd had we had had our conversation of like okay I'm like thinking about the next thing right and so and then like my boss was like well perfect my assistant's great you should just hire him and did it happen that easily though I thought there was like a while because like those jobs are hard to get right so I thought there was like a while of grinding well I I mean I had gone up for a couple other things surreptitiously I mean as far as oh. my boss knew oh. at the agency um that was kind of the first job I went up for or maybe I actually that's funny I went up for one I went up for one other job to work for uh at Weinstein and he uh offered me the job in the room while uh it was truly one of the craziest interviews I've ever had he Kept calling me Justin the entire time in the interview, and then it was like, "No way!" He was like, "Justin, do you want the job or not?" Justin, like, "I'm all, like, I'm offering the job," and it got like so aggressive. That's intense. Like, oh, Did you this. ever say like? <laughs> I think the first time. Oh uh, my god! Was, what if your paychecks came in as Justin <laughs> when you took the job? That's funny. Um, but yeah, so I, I like, I was like, "What the fuck?" And I kind of like backed out. I was like, oh, "I just gotta think about it." And I left, and I, and I went. I remember I went back to the agency and talked to my boss about it, and. And of course, this is like classic agent. When I went, he, when I went in for the, I told him I got the interview and I was going in. He's like, cool. And then we talked. He's like, oh yeah, I mean, it's fucking crazy. You don't want to work for him. And I was like, you could have saved me a whole, a whole lot of time if you just said that before. I would have never gone. Um, oh, so he knew you were going. Yeah, yeah then, that was the only one. That how I, did you extricate yourself from a room though, where where someone's like offering the job? Yeah. I mean, I just, I think my, you know. Wines, the Weinstein company famously went on very aggressive tactics. And it's like, that. I think it, the reason I actually decided not to take that job is that the behavior in that room was like emblematic of their approach, which was just not in any way how, I mean, A, I knew it would mean that working for him would be fucking terrible. But B, I was like, I don't want to be that kind of executive who just tries to bully people into getting what I want. And so, you know, if the whole idea of the, the apprenticeship program that we have in the industry is that like you work for someone who you want to model yourself yourself after and like at the time obviously this is pre you know this is three four four years ago like Weinstein was kind of at the height of of their power and their and their cachet was undeniable and so the allure of working at a place just in terms of like accolades was was very hard to resist but the you know to the extent that you can extrapolate from a 40 minute interview what it would be like i was just like I, that's not if that's the kind of person that he is and he's the president of that company that's not how i ever want to act as an executive um so it was actually like i think it was a relatively harmless yeah. lesson of like i'm actually looking to work for people who i would want to model myself after and like it's fine if they're tough and i would go on to work for some a very very tough person at you know my current uh company but he but it, but it was never a question of like 
behaviorally whether it's whether or not I would want to act right um, and this person you know that person at once you know just like no fucking way right um, but I mean oh how did I literally how, yeah myself? because it's like I, I just I mean I I he just was like he's like, well, he's like I'm, I'm offering the job right now do you want it Justin do you want it and I was like <laughs> by no. the way his name is not Justin <laughs> it's a joke uh, <laughs> uh, and I think it was like I gotta think about it my mother really was in town, so I think I used it as an excuse. I was like, I need to go meet my mom for dinner. <laughs> You're crazy. Um, Mommy's waiting. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, let me just like think on it, and I'll call you tomorrow. Yeah. And then I remember, like, literally, like, when I walked the door, I was like, I don't think so. And, then mm-hmm. I, and I did talk to my mom about it, fortunately. She was there. Um, and... You know, I'm, of course, in retelling, I'm making it sound like this is all my uh, insights. It was, like, totally her who was just like, well... Is that the kind of person you want to be? Right. For? And I was like, no, not at all. I mean, that's yeah. not the kind of person I want to be, so no. Yeah. Um, and so I call, like, that was how I literally got out of the room. And then when I called the next morning, I, like, left word. Uh, and his assistant basically emailed me. He's like, his assistant's like, are you going to take the job? And I was like, I, and I kind of gave my reasons for no. And he was like, okay, cool. And then he sent me an email being like, and says, don't worry about it, period. Like, great. Uh, oh, wow. They were pissed. I mean, th- that's a weird thing about Hollywood, I think, is that people, like, expect that if you apply for a job, that's because you definitely want to take it. Like, there's no two-way street, you know? Totally. Like, I, when I got my agency job, they called me, like, two hours after my interview, and I was like, oh, can I think about it? And they were like, let us know by end of day. Yeah. I feel like in a lot of industries, like, they're trying to attract you. Like, you're trying to attract them. Totally. But in this, it's not like that. No, yeah, I mean, like, this is a, it is, like, a lament of mine of just the larger industry problem, which is that I think as an assistant, you are sort of forced to think of yourself of having zero agency, right? Right. And like, everything is, like, you should just be grateful that you even have the opportunity to get right. coffee. And I'm, like, uh, okay, well, but also, like, almost every person working at that level is incredibly high-functioning, incredibly capable, and has spent 20-plus years making decisions themselves, you know, based on their own, like, wants and desires. And a little bit of it is, like, the, you know, millennialism need to be pulled out of people. So, like, I think that's somewhat good. Right. But, but I do think it is sort of pushed too hard sometimes where, you know, my, when I when I was leaving the agency, that, I, you know, I, I, like, felt, I just, I felt grateful for any opportunity. And, and the, it was, like, the first time it was actually my boss. Yeah. It was, like, well, where do you want to go? And I was like, oh, yeah. I, I hadn't been thinking that way. I was like, I just right. want to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And I thought I should just jump at anything that's presented to me. Um, so, you know, I, I do think, like, I had been so... You, you kind of get broken down by a system that is like, forced you to think of yourself as, like, Nothing. just above garbage, if not a little below. Yeah. Um, it is interesting. It's interesting also that you brought up the millennial entitlement thing because a lot of people... A lot of execs are like, oh, you just want to get promoted because you're a millennial. Like, you don't understand the grind. And it's right. like, no, I want to get promoted because I've been grinding here <laughs> for, for seven, two yeah, years. Totally. And, like, <laughs> that's not how it was in your day. Like, I know you got promoted after, like, three months. You uh, know what I mean? Yeah. It is interesting. Um, but then you did end up, through your boss, finding a much better job, right? Yeah. And, like- yeah. That, I think part of the reason I didn't get too... Um, anxious or you know it's it is a trapping of being in an agency is it you get stuck there for 
a little too long and then you become jaded and because the job is fairly demanding you start underperforming and then the relationship between your boss becomes tense like right. I remember the two people sitting next to me on like either side were very much living that dynamic with their boss and it was right. incredibly uncomfortable to watch every day uh, because you know at that point you've been in their lives for a year and a half and they're like they, they do feel indebted to you but they're also like you're really fucking up right um, and you know, and the person, one person is like the left of me. It was amazing. She just like was so fucking like over it at that point. She would like stroll in at 9.15, 9.30 or something. And I was like, oh my God, I, I can't believe you could ever. Right. Like, how, how dare you? Yeah. Um, but but I was just lucky that I, I never got to that point because this, this opportunity that really did sort of check all the boxes I was looking for presented itself, you know, literally out of thin air. If it were not for my boss at the agency, I don't think I would have gotten the job. Like, he, like, took him out to dinner and was like... Oh, damn. It's the best. You know, I was like, great. Um, it was... He went above and beyond. And then I went to that studio. Um, and so what was the transition like, though? Uh, relatively painless. The person I was working for had just, you know, had just been hired. So, like, he didn't have any systems up and running. He basically had a temp on his desk who was really nice and smart for working for like four months. But I think anytime you have a temp, you're just like, okay, like that, yeah, the, my, my assistant will just deal with that when he comes in. Like all these things, they've just been like delayed, delayed, delayed and pushed off. I came in and it was just like a mountain of like work that had to be done just to like get shit up and running. Um, and going from an agency where they're, you know, as big as they've become, they are still right. like... M- Miniscule relative to the conglomerates right, that are right. a major studio, right? And it's like just the bureaucratic red tape of like getting a computer monitor. Oh, getting a yeah. computer. Yeah, it's like, so crazy. It was crazy yeah, long. I was like, I, I need it's. I just need a computer. Yeah, and I go I'll call this company in India, and then they'll call. It, and it's like, can I just go yeah. down to IT and then get like five stages of approval? Right, totally. Yeah. It was it was actually bananas. Um, but like, uh, you know, I think. As I would soon learn, my boss at that studio was a very common collect. You know, like there, there. I think any good executive has to be like a little anxious and just kind of generally, right. you know, because uh, especially like in the studio system, you have to be like hustling totally. so hard. But for you know, if I was just like, I don't have a computer yet, or my phone. Oh right. You know, he's like fine. Compared um, to say an agent, right? Would be like, like, what I do you mean? Figure it out. Put a computer in your yeah. head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, and then, yeah, so, like, eventually got up and running, and, you know, I, I there were so many things about that experience that I, like, loved, um, and they, they pay you stupidly well to do a job that is, like, so easy relative to the job that I just come from. Like, you know, you have, like, three calls a day, you're, like, kicking your feet up on the desk, like, reading scripts. Yeah. I had my own office. Yeah. Um, it's like, I'm, li- I'm living yeah. the life of luxury. I remember... Movie studios in general, but that one in particular, oh, yeah. right? Just, it, yeah. Um, and... And then, to make matters better or worse, but then you look at it, my best friend from that agency had actually started working at that same studio like two months before me. And, <laughs> and then he mo- he ended up like six months in switching bosses. And so he, the boss he ended up working for was like right across the hall from me. So I was like be staring into his office for my, you know, it was like a dream. Like I'm working with my best friend. I like assistance with offices. Yeah, it was... <laughs> Uh, I have to imagine those days might be coming to an end at that studio. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, like, 
I think ostensibly it was it was a dream job. I was just so disillusioned by the stuff I was working on. Um, I mean, like, that was a particularly dark days at that studio. Like the quality of the projects. Yeah, we were making a piece of shit so, <laughs> like, like across the board. Yeah, um, and was it because of like they wanted to use existing IP, or was it just because like those are the types of movies that sell now? No, I mean it was. It really was like an amalgamation of of circumstance and also and but more than anything I think it was just a microcosm of the way that the major studios have to produce film and television at this point which is you know they are it's a it's sort of the the easy or kind of like trite thing to do is like oh studio execs are just stupid and like that's not true I mean I worked with them I can like vouch for both their intellect, but also their genuine desire. Like they're they're all pretentious cinephiles, just like most people. Right, in that's how people are. end up in right. the industry. Yeah. Um, so like they genuinely love good movies and can you know can cite any foreign film that you can too. Um, but the system zero, they can cite zero foreign. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think you know just the machines of those places and necessitate a certain like, yeah. an output that is only one way to skin that cat, right? And you have to make the lowest common denominator right. type of film that, like, you know, that can play overseas. And the, yeah. whether they're right or wrong, like, that, has been, that is the philosophy they've doubled down on. Is like, bigger is always going to be better, and the less talking, the better. Um, Interesting. The sort of the... Uh, Could, wait, is that because less talking plays better overseas or just because in the u.s yeah well probably both but no, yeah I mean, the, the sort of the quote that that was truly the the nail in the coffin um uh so every monday we they had weekend read right which is basically like uh the projects that are closest to be, to going up for green light um gets get passed around to all the executives so up until that point only the the point executive has been going you know reading all right. the drafts and now it's sort of like okay i'm going to open it up to the larger group for sort of feedback and and thoughts and, and criticisms um, and I mean there you could do a whole uh, just like podcast series on the uh, the insanity that is that system because that's like of course when everyone enacts their revenge on the people they hate right. and it's very much like as Jeez. political as it, as it is like the, you know uh, theoretical wow. or strategic um, but so putting that aside you know the general sentiment is you have all these very smart people sort of like giving character notes and like oh I, the, maybe like this line you know this dialogue didn't really work for me and the the head of the studio at the time or the head of the um, the film department at the time like came in and was kind of hearing all this and he's like what the fuck are you guys doing like all this talk about like characters and whether or not the, the arcs are working like we should be making movies where you could turn the sound all the way off and you can still understand what's going on because that's what kids in China want. And I'm not even like getting into whether or not I disagree with that strategically. He's probably right. You know, the, if you're if you're too focused on character, you're yeah. not going to the robots fighting in the space. But that was just I think it was a uh, it was just like a light bulb moment for me. I was like, I, I don't want to work in a system that necessitates that type of thinking. Um, right. Because again, you can get into a sort of philosophical debate of whether like you know studio movies still have to be good but 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 it's just like even the debate feels exhausting and somewhat like fruitless to me because you're never going to get to a point where you're able to make anything outside of a very narrow window of possibility and it's um, like that's not what made you interested in exactly in the first i was like I could, if yeah. i want to be this miserable i would have gone to law school yeah I yeah <laughs> I make a lot more money yeah uh, i wouldn't get anyone coffee 
when you were an assistant at the studio, was it like, was there room for people to grow? No, I, and I never, I never um, fooled myself into thinking that. I think the, you know, I was just experienced enough that I was able to like go up for CE jobs or you know executive jobs at production companies on, on like within the sort of studio family, right? So okay. like, they have these overalls or first looks with producers. And we had just reciprocal relationship with producers yeah. because we had so many projects. Um, yeah. And you know, if I'm if I'm not gonna do, if I'm not gonna do this, what what could be interesting to me? Um, and uh, you know, and I came up with this sort of list of like the places, and I think it, it was not a brilliant list. It was kind of a list of like anyone sort of interested in making, you know, what I'll now call like artist-driven content or just something. I would say just like anything outside of the traditional studio system that wasn't like pure indie indie. Um, you know, the, it would be the same twenty companies, um, and and I kind of, you know, my I had worked for my boss at that studio for a little over a year at that point, and he was incredibly supportive of me, sort of like find the next thing, and you know, I, yeah, I've had a history of people like going above and beyond what I would ever expected of them in terms of just like advocating yeah. for me. Um, Super lucky. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not purely luck. I it's mean, you built luck. those relationships, but. Uh, uh, no, no, I, it, it is luck. Because I think people, you know, the, every, the assistant job is horrible no matter what. And some bosses recognize, like, you're putting your blood, sweat, and tears for, like, right. a few shekels. And shekels. they sort of promise that I will be good to you. And yeah. it's amazing to me how many bosses aren't. Yeah. Don't, don't fulfill that into the promise. Yeah. I, it is genuine luck that the people that I've worked for have at least understood that implicit, uh, you know, and it's interesting because you can't really, I don't think you can really tell up front if they're going to be helpful or not. Because a lot of people say, like, of course, I'm going to yeah. help you and they have the power to do it so easily. But you right. can't really tell until push comes to shove. Totally. And I think there's a little bit of the people, the closer someone is to have been having been promoted or been helped by their bosses, right. the better they are. Yeah. Know, it's like the ones who are like the dinosaurs were like, well... In my day, I yeah. just, you know, I just, all I had to do was like drive to my the CEO's house and con- yeah. convince his wife to let me. Like, but that, none of that happened. Like there. all this stuff in the mailroom. That's why the mailroom is like interesting to read, but kind of archaic. And I wanted to make something like this because totally. it's so different. Um, I was on the cusp of like, okay, you could go up for a CEO job. Like, probably never gonna get it, but you can keep doing. You keep going up if you want. Um, so like, I, I was. Um, I was just beaten down at the point that I was open to the possibility of taking another assistant job at the right place and still like secretly really hoping that I could just get an exact job at a place I wanted to be. Um, and, and sort of after like a few, I like a lot of those informationals or generals that did not have, um, any explicit opportunities even like to talk about, uh, a few kind of then turned into like, oh, well, I know this person, this place is hiring. And, and eventually, um, I found out that the CEO at the company that I now work was looking for an assistant. Um, and I had heard just enough horror stories about working for him to be a little terrified, but also everything about the company sort of checked every box. And, and at that point, because I had just had the inverse experience, right, of having all of, like the quality of life and the boss and the friend, like all that was great and the pay was great, but the comp, like the 
the stuff we were making just wasn't good. Yeah. I was like, like, I think it was just the right time for me to actually prioritize. Like, I want to be at a place where I would would actually be excited to be yeah. an executive at. Even though you'd have to take a pay cut and your quality of life would go down. Yeah, and... Like, and- and, you would uh, be with friends. And yes, and it was not with friends. And I, I mean, look, I, working for the CEO of any company, like they're just, you know, they, they've become so wholly dependent on their assistants for yeah. like, like wiping their ass. That you're just like, yeah. you, know, you're just like I, you know what you're getting into, right? Right. Um, and so I wasn't like, I wasn't caught off guard by the just like right. insanity of the job. Um, but it was. It were was, there two assistants at that time? No. For the CEO? There, he, um, there are two CEOs at our company. Each oh. one has their own assistant. But then, and this is, I was very, very fortunate. Um, they had just each hired basically like estate managers who handled all their personal affairs. It's so, essentially like a personal yeah, assistant. So, okay. But there was no like hierarchy of assistants. We were just completely separate. I want an estate manager. So do I. Uh, <laughs> I, I remember telling my dad about this. He's like, how do you, how does one hire an estate manager? Yeah. And I was like, you are not nearly important enough to have yeah. an estate manager. Um, the shit that she would deal with, it was fucking crazy. Yeah, that seems like the job that's just like the worst parts about being an assistant totally. without like... But there's no... I mean, I think... The reason I admire the decision to do it that way is what always bothered me is the second assistant, like the second assistant at the studio, for this, you know, the head of the studio I was at before, they wanted to be an exec, right? So, like, they're just going through the, like, they're just doing, like, the shittiest of the right. shit grunt work, all for the hope of maybe one day becoming the number one assistant to maybe one day, you know, and it's like, yeah. that path is just brutal and, right. and they're, and they're treated horribly. Because at the studio, the CEO would have two assistants and, and the second assistant would end up doing yeah, personal exactly. stuff. Whereas Basically, at the second place, it was just like someone was purely doing personal and they weren't even called an assistant. And they had no, they had no uh, ambitions to become an assistant. Right. Like this, this was like, just a job. They're getting paid significantly more money this yeah. is a career for them yeah right? and so it's i think if you if you decide you need someone to do that in your life and i hope i never get to a point where i think i need someone yeah. to like yeah. plan my vacation for me um that sounds nice yeah uh, um at least there's like the, you know there's no bamboozlement of like what they're doing or, or the sort of like trajectory from there right uh, and you pay someone enough that it's like right exactly yeah uh, that's what the money's for yeah know? um <laughs> but so for me I, you know he, he was still demanding just because he's crazy. I should also say he's truly brilliant. And like, I, the, the learning through osmosis thing to the extent that it ever is possible. It was like it, the the level at which the access to someone that smart is a an experience, an invaluable experience that I'm right. like grateful for. Um, but also just I think when you're when you're kind of like he operates at another level, right? So like the the four a.m. email about this like meeting in six weeks, you're just like, how are you even thinking about this right now? Yeah, and I was just like that's what we, that was the op, the level he was always operating at, and thus like so the job was demanding in that way. Fortunately, it did not include a lot of, sort of personal work, which I think is the the more common shitty part of working for someone at that level. Right. right. So again, very lucky that I just, that I happened to come in right at a time where they were sort of splitting those duties. Did you, when you took that job, cause I know you had been, you said that you were hoping for an executive job. Did you take that job with any kind of promise that you would be promoted or like, did you have an instinct about that? Um, no, definitely no promise. I think there was a, 
relatively rich history of people working for the CEOs of that company getting promoted. Ironically, that history would have would eventually work against me when I sort of made my push to get promoted for reasons I'll get I can get into later. Um, but that was sort of like that was the implication in you know I was very explicit in my my interview process was I basically met with um, his currency his current assistant who was who had just been promoted right sort of looking for his replacement so that he could go be he could start his job as an exec um, and then the a VP in our film department who had five or six years ago also worked for okay. um, uh, the CEO and so you know there was like that was obviously that was done intentionally right to sort of like demonstrate like well look you're you're talking to two guys right now who yeah. like started it here and now we're now we're like high level right um and i was totally susceptible to the uh to the illusion um <laughs> uh but so yeah it was never it was never like in any way promised but i was very explicit of like i'm going up for, you know like i'm in a i'm in a place right now where i'm like going up for exact jobs it's more important to me to be, to be at a place that I am genuinely excited by than to be in a position that that I will be ha- you know proud of it right now, right? Um, but I am assuming if I take an assistant job, that it'll be like the goal is my, if I take another assistant job, it will be unequivocally my last assistant job, whether it's here or, or somewhere else. Like I'm not gonna. Make, this is where you're drawing the line. Yeah, yeah. because I think. To the extent there's any hierarchy of like assistant positions, once you're working for the CEO of a, of a studio, like, how, there's nowhere to go from there right. that wouldn't be at least lateral, if not a downward move at the assistant level. So, like, just in the extent that you can, like, was your what was your second company like? It's an independent film and television studio, and okay. so you know that the reason it kind of checked the boxes of creatively the kind of place I wanted to be um, is that they were a very are a very well capitalized studio okay. that sort of had the power to make films and television shows honestly in the same sort of sandbox as like the major studios and their credits are very much of like you know of that caliber and price point but they are genuinely independent which means they didn't have any output deals they didn't have any quotas there were no so there, there was no green light committee outside of the CEO I mean this is sort of uh, sums up the CEO perfectly and also I do think is demonstrative of the t- why the company was attractive to me in our 43 second interview that I had with him um, you had a 43 second interview no I didn't actually time it but it was but it was tiny it was it was comically short, short. and he uh, I was so sh- like it was so short that I was like oh I think I I, I think I totally fucked that up and then, yeah. and then the his assistant called me like four minutes later. He's like, he loved you. I was like, oh. what? <laughs> um, but uh, the the sort of you know he was like, what's the difference in your mind between the place you're currently at and this place? And I kind of gave my like, uh, you know, mumbled, fairly incoherent answer of like why this place is interesting to me. And he kind of like cuts me off. This is what I learned became, you know, became our, our thing. He cuts me off halfway through my, my talking. <laughs> and it was just like, he, he's like, you're like, right now you're, you're at a seven seventy seven, and this place is a, you know, a, a, like a small fighter jet. Right. And so like those seven seventy sevens can't, uh, like they're big, they're, they're mean. They're like, they seem to be the most comfortable, the most attractive, but like if a strong wind comes, 
there's no way they're going to be able to, like, turn, to, you know, fast enough. And, like, the fighter jet can do whatever the fuck it wants. Yeah. And he's like, I imagine there are 15 people on your green light committee. You want to know who the green light committee here is? You're staring at it. <laughs> um, this feels like a speech that would be an entourage. Totally. <laughs> he, like, by the way, I mean, I'm, I'm, it's certainly becoming um, a somewhat apocryphal in my retelling. But that no, was I mean, more or less makes, yeah. the gist of it. Um, and, and and he was right, right? I mean, that yeah. was what was attracted to me is like we can do we can we actually have the money to do to make the type of movies and shows that I always loved. Like I, you know, I as I said, working for that independent producer was a, like a very early lesson. Like I don't want to just make movies that like maybe one day again to Sundance. Like I I always wanted to tell stories or be involved in films and shows that were going to be on 3,000 screens. Right. I just didn't want them to fucking suck. Yeah. Um, and so, like, the, the place that has the money to make stuff like that, but the complete independence to do it at their own volition, yeah. uh, was just very attractive to me. Yeah. Um, and even the bravado with which he presented it, like, as eye-rolly as it was, I'm like, yeah, it's cool. Like, that is a cool place where it's like, it's just me and my three film execs, and we yeah. decide what we want to make, and we have a lot of money to do it. Yeah. Um, so that was... I don't know if that answered the question, totally. but that was the attraction. Yeah. Um, so then you had to transition to this job that was, like, crazier and stressful. And yeah. I imagine that was hard. But, like, then what was your process like after you felt like you had put in your time there as an assistant to get promoted? Because, like, that's the hardest part as an assistant to make that jump. How did you How did you do it? Um... Yeah, it was, I, you know, it was certainly <laughs> difficult. Uh, I, you know, I, at like the one year mark, uh, my boss loved to, um, you know, he was basically a monster uh, 11 and a half months out of the year. And then like the two weeks before the Christmas break, he's like yeah. the nicest guy in the like world. Like a little too. kid, just yeah. excited for Christmas. <laughs> Probably, no. He really takes and like embodies the holiday spirit. They like, come in smiley, like, hey, good morning. And you're like, geez, are you sick? So bizarre. Um, and, and, and that's also when you do your year-end review. So I now, this is the second Christmas where I experienced this, because I, I started in like October. Okay. Right, and so I was a month and a half in, but even like in that first month and a half, he was like, a, again, like totally just like, cold and, and clinical yeah. up until like December 1st and then and then it's all nice and we had our like year-end review yeah. like, the two months and he was like you're doing great you're yeah. so smart you're, you're smart you know what you're doing like I'm not worried now like so a year later you know we have like an app we actually have like stuff to talk about and less complimentary uh, after a year of some really? fuck up well no but I mean I made more mistakes yeah. <laughs> in the 14 months since um, but so but, do you feel like he, he's this insanely busy guy like he remembers your mistakes no, I actually will say very much to his credit because it, it's there's so much, so much, and he, you know, he once said this to me when I, I think the first time I like had a like a, a decent sized fuck up, um, he basically like he chastises you, he lays into you, and then he's like, now move on, right? He's like, I, there's no, I, you're not being fired, you don't have to worry about being fired, like don't bring this up again. I don't want to hear the words like. Right, you know, whatever the mistake was, like, don't bring it up. I, you don't need to spend any more emotional energy thinking about it. You know you fucked up because I yeah. just articulated in no uncertain terms how you fucked up. Yeah. And now <laughs> move on. 
Um, which is actually an approach that I appreciated because yeah. there was never that sort of like passive aggressive where it's like six months later, you're like, remember that one time? Yeah. Um, that uh, would be me if I was a boss. Totally. <laughs> me too. Uh, definitely be my mother. Um, uh, but yeah, so I, you know, the year mark, mostly, I mean, honestly, generally effusive just about like work ethic and, you know, and then kind of naturally turned into, okay, so, like, you've worked for me for 13 months now. I have to imagine you're starting to, like, think about the next steps. Like, what are you thinking about? And, um, you know, I was just very clear. Like, I came here for a very specific reason. Uh, the, and I kind of gave my, you know, the, the, my thought process up until that point of, like, why this company had always been attractive to me and the goal was always to be promoted. Um, and I was like, and, you know, I had never once assumed that it would be handed to me, but I sort of, you know, did the kind of, like, turn it more into an advice question than a, a demand question of just, like, if I'm going to make this push, like, what would I do? Or what what should I do? Um, and a somewhat important context, and this is why I alluded to, I alluded to earlier, is that my predecessor um, had sort of failed rather miserably uh, at, in the exact role that he got promoted into. Um, and, you know, I think there's, like, a lot of reasons for it. He was somewhat set up for failure, um, and the deck was some very stacked against him. But it was also the fairly, unfortunately, common problem of the working for the CEO of a company in no way prepares you to be an executive, right? Like right. my time at the studio before, where I was actually working for like a mid-level executive, and all of my time was spent ostensibly being his like you know, uh, his, like, his junior exec right. was far more useful when I, for when I eventually got promoted than anything I ever did working for the CEO of this company. Because right? you're, like, too high level, right? Right, because everything that, their concerns are administrative, right? They're not, they're not getting in the weeds on projects. They're like, I need to manage yeah. a fucking company right now. Right. And, you know, I'm sure this is always the case, but, like, at the time, there were, they were just considering things like so far beyond the level of like day to day projects, and so right. I had access to everything, and I and I, you know, you can take advantage of that, but you could also do the job very very well and never once read a script. Right, because when they're also when you're an assistant to someone that high, like your assistant jobs are so time consuming. Exactly. That they're not, and they're not going to bring you in on executive. Right. Yeah. Right, exactly. You have to do it. You have to do it on your own. Right. And. I think my predecessor, when he was working for him, just like because they hadn't yet created that, uh, you know, estate manager thing, like he just did not have the time to. So I actually, yeah. it's in no way a reflection of his ability. It was yeah. truly just like a set of circumstances that really set him up for failure. And Hollywood's such an interesting industry because, like, it's not the entry level position doesn't prepare you for the position in that you're any way. going for yeah. in general. Totally. Yeah. Especially, and so for him, he came in as, like, the number three assistant, right? Jeez. So he went from, like, some small management company to the number three assistant, number two, number... So he never had that working for a mid-level exec right. where you really do get the opportunity to at least like somewhat test the waters of yeah. what the job would be. Yeah. Um, and if you don't have that, I think you're, it's like, you're right. Like you could, as is the case here, you can get promoted and it's the first time you ever asked to like do anything that resembles the job you just got. Um, and it's you're really right. scary. And there's, yeah. there's no, like there's no training wheels version of it. In certain environments, it seems like if you're, 
if you're like the boss's promotion who comes in, it's like maybe they don't want to help you. I don't know. Yes, and that, that was too. the. I mean, that so the way my boss framed it to me was sort of like explicit to me, and that he's like, I am not. I've made the mistake in the past of forcing my department heads to promote my assistant, right? Which is exactly what you described. Yeah. Basically, like there's a, a little bit of resentment, whether it's the department head or sort of like the execs below the department head who, you know, who are like, who the fuck is this person who just was like waltzing in because they got, they got our CEO. Yeah. Like they built it, you know, helped build his house. Like that doesn't make him a good exec. Right. So there is a natural resentment to those people who have not demonstrated any ability in that regard, just kind of like coming in and still theoretically like having the ear of their boss. Right. So right. It, it can create a very like uncomfortable dynamic that again, I think sets people up for failure. Right. So I, appreciated the sentiment as much as it created a very long road for me um which was basically like look so if you want to get promoted you got to convince convince the department heads to promote you like i'm not gonna get in your way but i'm certainly not gonna i'm just i'm not gonna push for you because like you have to do it yourself you're in a position here where you're empowered to push for yourself yeah so go do it um and so then i from like, like like okay this is like you know 6 p.m. on the Friday before Christmas break, yeah. and I walk into the you know, the head of the film group's office, the person who I had interviewed for four years ago. Oh, jeez. Um, and I was like, we kind of relayed this conversation, and he was like, all right, cool, dude. Like, I'm getting on a flight in 40 minutes. Like, let's talk after the new year. When I'm yeah, like, um, get out of my office. Yeah, leave me alone. I don't care about your career. <laughs> um, so then came back in the new year, and I had that conversation. And, and you know, he was, um, he was very transparent with me which is like you're not the first assistant to the CEO to sort of like have this conversation with me if you follow through with it you'd be the first assistant to do so so like great glad to hear that you think you want to do this like now put your money where your mouth is um what does that mean well just that you know he was like I will give you all the work to sort of test your both fortitude and ability um that you could possibly ask for and most and hitherto up until that point, every assistant who had sort of raised their hand asking for that very quickly dropped the ball or just sort of like backed out and was like, ah, fuck this. Yeah. Um, and he was like, it, this, is, this is a test of whether or not you actually want to do the job. So here we go. Yeah. Um, and again, I think it was just a lucky set of circumstances that unlike my predecessors, my, my responsibility is while still large did not include anything beyond the office duties right like i didn't have to worry about anything back at right. their home so while because like, you had the estate manager exactly okay. so uh like you know nine to seven th- or eight to seven thirty was spent focusing on my boss i at least had like some hours before i went to sleep where i could could dedicate to doing work for them. yeah and i just was like this is the time to do it right yeah and i'm just like i, I will I'll sleep when I'm dead, or I'll sleep yeah. when I'm promoted. Um, wow. <laughs> uh, and so I, I did just kind of like turn it up a gear. I was like, okay, I'm if I'm going to spend, and I kind of, you know, I I had created somewhat of a timetable in my mind of I'm going to spend the next six months operating this way, and if I don't get any sense that it's turning into anything, then I'll just have to shift my focus to another place because. It, you know, it, it's unsustainable. It's unsustainable, and, kind of, and eventually yeah. it just becomes exploitative, exploitative, yeah. exploitative, exploitative. Uh, uh, whatever sounds whatever right. Whatever the word is, <laughs> you can right because that. you're like essentially 
doing the work of totally. someone you're not getting right. paid for. Which like, is good. I mean, I actually, again, as we were saying earlier, like that type of test run is really essential helpful. for both yeah. parties, right? Yeah. Because you can figure out in those three months, oh, actually, I fucking hate this. And yeah. then save yourself the fight. You know, you don't have to spend a year being an exec. You can just like pivot then. Right. And then coincidentally, our television department kind of like went up in flames. So they went from having five execs to two, which just created an immediate need for help. And so as I was actually working for the film group, one of the television executives was like, hey, look, I know you're kind of making a push here. There's an opportunity that's sort of presenting itself. If you're interested, like I could use the fucking help right now. Um, And so then I was like, oh, great. I'll just work for both departments and my boss, Um, which was... (laughs) In hindsight, a little stupid. Uh, But I really was just like, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know anything about television. So I didn't feel in any way like a viable candidate. Um, And then you couldn't be like, oh, I'm not going to keep helping you. Yeah, I think like the conversation I had with the head of our film group was like still echoing my mind of like, don't be one of those dudes who said they wanted to do this. I was like, oh, fuck, okay. Yeah. Um, Then when the TV thing started becoming more and more real, I did just sort of have a conversation with film group of like look I don't know what's going on here obviously you guys know like I'm just trying to be promoted I want to be at this company the way we make television is very similar to the way we make film which is like it's always artist driven for us so while I could never have gone to work like a traditional television studio I was like I actually understand this business well enough and I'm intrigued by it enough to want to do it um where like I could totally do that. I could also do this. And I'm, right. I was like, again, I'm just coming to you for advice. Like, I don't want to get so burned yeah. out by the time I do get promoted yeah. if it happens. And um, it's always good to phrase it like advice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, eventually, they hired a new head of the television department. Um, and, you know, at that point, I had sort of developed a good relationship with the exec who was, you know, de facto running the group. Um, and so when this person started... She was like, you guys should get lunch. Um, so he and I got lunch, and he was like, you know, thrown into a situation where we had all these projects to like up and running, and a ton of projects in development, and like at that point now, I think three television executives. And he was just like, we're so underwater, we just need another executive. Like, can you start on Monday? And I was like, dude, I could start in five minutes, but you should talk to our, you should talk to my boss and your yeah. boss and make sure that's like, yeah, you know, kosher. Uh, and <laughs> Um, our my boss, and this is very indicative of the sort of ethos of the company. Was like, glad you love him. I love him too. You know, we you need to run your process. Like you you just started here. You need to run your process. And he was like, you know, this is his line at the time was, you should hire the best person for the job. And now, do I believe? Potent theoretically that the very best can for the job happens to work around the corner from you like sure that's possible highly unlikely but possible meaning you yeah and I was like <laughs> fuck you dude that's um, so annoying after you did everything yeah yeah but that's again just part and parcel of the, of the right. company culture um, and so I had to like so he like interviewed all these candidates and, and like look obviously being at the company was beneficial and, and not yeah. just that like I knew people, but like I had a competitive advantage over other people coming for the job, right? Because I knew I knew I could pitch the company already. I could pitch why artists should work there and why what we did was you know was, was so good because I I genuinely believed it. Like it was what attracted me in the first place. And then I had spent at that point a year and a half 
hearing the pitch, but also like learning the, you know, just like internalizing the pitch. Right. Um, so, so was it nerve wracking for you to see all these other people no, coming in? No, it was more in? infuriating. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would like straight up meme yeah, like them your... walking in. But, yeah. but also, I mean, like I, I, there was a moment I remember, so like some time after like that conversation, and I should say like while I was doing this, my my boss at the time was putting me through like putting me through the fucking ringer and like a little bit to sort of test my you know my fortitude and a little bit just to like fuck with me um but he they um he would like give me like a business school book to read like every week and like talk about it with him on monday and and just like throwing shit at just like throwing like these like crazy assignments at me just to, like we like I'm sure he would say it was all part of the process, but it really just felt like... Hazing? Uh, a little bit of hazing. And a little bit of like, you say you want this, like, let's really test it. Yeah. Right? And then he was also having me like, he's like, come with a list of the companies that you want to work at. And I was like, well, number one on the list is this place. He's like, no, no, no. I want to see a new list. And so like, okay, so I like, came with a list of like other companies that would be attractive to me. And then when I gave him that list, I wrote okay. this like impassioned letter of basically oh I couldn't have our company at the top. Uh, I so I like included this impassioned letter of like why while this list does not include our company here's why I still know that our company is my top choice. So I feel like that's something that sets you apart is like going that extra push and like <laughs> having the confidence also to do that. Like why, what motivated you to do that? Because I mean, obviously, and you'll get to it, it. It paid off, but I feel like like that's a specific level trend. of insanity. No, not a level of insanity, but, like, that may not come naturally to people, but, like, that's what you have to be, like, I think, to get promoted. Like, you have to really push. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, uh, I don't want your viewers to think that I'm actually that confident of a person because I'm, I'm incredibly insecure and, and, and like, like constantly right, questioning right. all the but time. But at least, like, in but your external. I, I think the biggest thing that gave me the confidence to do that and is that I, re- like, I really believed it, right? I, I wasn't the, the, you know, when you're like, starting in the industry, right, like, you're just like, I just, all right, I need to get to the next level. And then I think you get, we do get a little tunnel vision on, like, I got to get an assistant job, then I got to get an exec job, and it all becomes very just, like, f- focused and obsessed on, like, the level. Uh, and while I was still very much, like, focused on I want to be promoted and I want to be an executive because I'm, like, getting old as fuck now, I also was genuinely excited about this company and I had done and like I had had enough had just enough experience at that time and seen enough different types of places to know kind of beyond a shadow of a doubt that like this place would be so good for me so it wasn't I, I guess this might be a little bit of like a sidestepping the question but I do think like that letter was born out of a, a like passion but also a a thoughtfulness that I had had just been applying for you know two plus years at that right. point. Of like, I really, really thought about this and I and I really know I'd be remiss if I didn't reiterate for the 10,000th time yeah. this is the place that I want to be. And it wasn't just born out of a, I really just want an executive title so my parents are proud of me. Yeah. I'm like actually excited about this place. And I think whether, I mean, to your point, it worked. I don't know if that was like the pu- the one push I needed or not. But, but I the do passion th- was genuine, right? And I do think that like genuinely, really, really wanting something is like the key. Because that's, I mean, even going back to 
the writer that you interned for, he was like, if you don't really, 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 really only want this, then it's not going to be enough. And, yeah, and I exactly. think that can be applied to like anything in the industry, right? For sure. And I think, I mean, I get somewhat frustrated now with whether it's assistants at our company or just like assistants that I meet, you know, sort of like do the, you know, I've had people which are like, oh, how, like, how do you get promoted? And I'm like, I don't fucking know. Um, yeah. But the when it feels like it's just a kind of like I want to be, I want to be promoted because like it sounds kind of fun to be a film executive. Like, yeah. Like, like this job is blood, sweat, and tears, no matter where you are. Like it, it's yeah. not. And like they don't pay you for it, even at an executive level. I can yeah. tell you, it's like it's not that good of pay. So yeah. the reason you do this is like you have to really want it because yeah. if you lo- if you are excited about what we're doing it is it is kind of a dream job right like right you and i both grew up lo- like loving film and television right and like the idea that could ever turn into a career was uh wasn't crazy to like you know, yeah. 10 year old jordan yeah um i think so like that that you know the passion is the only thing that like makes all of it worth it and when it feels impassionate or just sort of like yeah like i could like do this or i could sell cars you're like you should sell cars You'll make a lot more money, so, right? You know, right? Um, and I actually am kind of shocked at how many people in the industry just feel like, they're like, yeah, I don't know, this could be cool, uh, which is fine to start that way, but right. eventually, I think because it, it seemed like be even when when you started, you weren't completely sure. It right. sounds like exactly, yeah, it was but you have the to like buy it. it, yeah, or it would have right. convinced me otherwise. And like, right. look, we we skipped over this, but there were definitely moments where I strongly considered leaving, like a few moments and I really thought like I really thought about what else would get me this excited but at the time it was just theoretical but the prospect of being able to do this job was very exciting right right and it's kind of that idea of like you were never going to entertainment to be an assistant so like sometimes it's like you just have to push through to see if you like if you the job that you're going for, if you like that or not, because you're not going to like being an assistant, right? right? So this is a really convoluted way to say that, like, you go into, inter- like, say you went into entertainment because you wanted to do, like, development or producing or whatever. Right. It's like, you won't know until you're doing that job or until you get close enough, like you were when you were working towards getting promoted, where you were really doing that work or at the studio, you're really doing that work. But, like, that's the other flip side is, like, it can hard it can be hard to see what the job is and be passionate about the job because you're not doing it. No, for sure. I mean, I remember, but because I was sort of like, I'm, I would say very much in the middle of our friends in terms of like getting promoted. Right? Like half yeah. of our friends had already had been execs yeah. for like some of them for a couple of years, and yeah. some, the other half were like still assistants, sort of like in the same place that I was in. Um, but by that, because I was in that sort of midpoint at that time, we had already had friends who had like clawed their way to the top finally you know reached the mountaintop got promoted and then were fucking miserable and like yeah quit. and yeah. I, I remember being like even even in these moments you know, it's like in the six month period where, like i wasn't sleeping and i was just like go 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 i'm getting right. and i remember like having these kind of moments of pause and be like am i gonna hate this and like, you yeah know, and you just, it's it's actually terrifying because you've spent six years like fighting for this thing um, Which is ju- supposed to be the light at the end of right. the tunnel. And you don't actually know what that light even looks like. Right. You have like a very vague idea of what it could potentially be. Yeah. Um, again, I think because I had, you know, for all those reasons we just talked about, yeah. I felt 
and I was still, it was always going to be a leap of faith, but I felt like I had some sense of what it would be and look and feel like, and I had experienced it tangentially or sort of, you know, sporadically through these different hoops I had to jump through uh, to to at least feel fairly confident that I wanted it. But yeah, but yeah I, I mean, I certainly remember that, like, sort of existential crisis seeping out, you know, in and out every, like, you know, those few seconds of... Yeah. Of, uh, of calm being like oh my god like what if what if this is an awful job and then then what the hell do I do next um but yeah that that, I think that is like it's it is a sort of damning statement on on the like the way the industry is currently set up and I actually don't know if there's a way to fix it because the, the the apprenticeship system has been so like entrenched now that that is the only way you move up apprentice uh, as assistant right exactly yeah the theoretical apprenticeship yeah uh, whether it actually happens yeah. um but there is no other way to like come in as an exact right like it's right so you know even if you went think, to law school do i still like go to the mailroom right i think the way to change it would just be in terms of like the relationship to the assistant right, right. and whether you like have an educational relationship with your assistant and teach them things and that kind of stuff which it sounds like you had at least at points yeah and you know i would hope my assistant now would say like you know and we're like close in age so it's a very different dynamic should your assistant be a guest (laughs) definitely not uh um he's too busy uh um but like you know i very much try to embody that approach and i think like it's easy for someone who's just been promoted to be like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be good to my assistant because I know the importance of it. The hope, and now you can play this back to me in 20 years, yeah. is that like in 20 years you still take yeah. on that approach. Yeah. Right? Because right now I can be as good as I want to my assistant. I also can't be that helpful. To your yeah. point, only the CEOs can send the email where it's like, promote this kid. Yeah. Um, so the, it's those are the people who need to like actually think that way, and, right? And sort of need to be re-educated, or just die off and let the more educated people yeah. <laughs> die off. Um, so okay, but to rewind a little bit, you were um, watching these other people interview for the executive position, and then how did it all play out? I mean, you know, I right. So as I was. I was never forced to do like a formal formal interview. Um, we had like we had our lunch, and I kind of just like, I, you know, I was um, embedded in the company, right? So I was able to just like to keep doing work for him and the TV group um, throughout the process, right? So right. Like projects drafts would come in. I could just, I would just be alerted that they came in, and I could read them, and you know, and then I was tracking material and doing all the things that you sort of do when you're vying you're going up for an executive job but i i was just like my proximity to him and the department gave me a huge advantage um that i was able to exploit and encouraged to exploit um that is why i mean that's why people internally often get promoted is that like you you can you can sort of demonstrate your worth and potential way better than anyone outside the walls can yeah um so I never, you know, I, I mostly felt confident that at least it was, whether it was like mine to lose, at least that I was like a, a top candidate. Um, 
partly because like the department head and this is uh you know emblematic of the way he operates was like oh, i don't have time to like create the description for the job can you just write it and i was like person should be six foot 185 yeah <laughs> um uh but yeah so like you know I, I i literally wrote the job description so i knew yeah. exactly what they were looking for and, yeah. and i did feel fairly confident that i was the right I person check the box yeah um and uh and yeah so you know people would come in and like there were a couple people i was like oh man that person's really good yeah um but i f- for the most part uh was confident that I was like in the running. There was one point, and it was basically you know. So I mentioned my my boss at the time was so just like putting me through the ringer and throwing these things at me, um, and uh, and then like we like started doing this like sort of weekly check in, um, which he would call a check in, but was really more like a mind fuckery um, where he'd be like, so like where else are you thinking about or like you know how are you feeling and everything, and that was when he sort of repeated a version of that like you know. Um, I would be very shocked if the best person for the job happens to already be here. Uh, and I just remember walk, you know, it was, again, he's not that blunt and he's, he's so incredibly articulate that like when he says it, it always sounds, you're always like, yeah, yeah, totally. And then I walked down, I was like, oh fuck. He's basically saying like, it can't, he's not going to let it be me. Um, and so I remember I walked into our COO's office and this is again, you know, the advantage of being at that company for as long as I was and just having these relationships where I could walk into our CEO's office and be like, what, like, you know, and so I kind of sat down and I was like, I've never once insinuated or assumed that this job is mine, but I, and I, and, and nor do I feel like you guys owe it to me, but you do owe it to me to tell me if it, if I'm prohibited from getting it. Right. If like, if there's no way in the world that this job could ever be mine, yeah. You should tell me now. Like if you're, if the CEO, your boss is blocking. Right. Or yeah. just because, whether because of the like company culture or ethos or yeah. history, if there's some reason where I'm precluded from the opportunity, yeah. this is unfair. Yeah. Um, and he was like, just keep doing what you're doing. I promise you it's going to work out for you. Yeah. And I was like, okay, good. fucking great. Um, and then, you know, it was another, you know, two weeks of him, of, the department head meeting candidates and then he was like in my boss's office and my, my boss has this like button on his phone where it like literally beeps my phone right so he presses like beep beep and like my phone it's like it comes up on speakerphone yeah um so he's like uh it's like beep, beep jordan can you come in here yeah. and i was like uh, okay and so i like, walk in and he's like sitting on his couch so there's like, champagne yeah, no, <laughs> never uh sitting on his couch like you know cross leg or you know yeah. Uh, legs crossed, and then the department head is sitting in one of the chairs, and like, take a seat. I think, I'm like, okay, I'm like about to be hit or something's going on. Uh, and I sit hit. down, and, uh, <laughs> and he's like, well, you know, we've uh, we've run a process, and we've met many great candidates, and uh, it turns out you are the best candidate for the job. So we'd like to officially offer you the position. And I was like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on? Um, and I was like, yeah, I mean, I accept. I'm like, great, you can leave. And so I walked out, went back to my jet, you know, went back to my desk of like answering the phone. Um, and then there was like, no, no, nothing said for like a few weeks. I never got a job offer. Wait, was, were you getting nervous or I, asking for no, it? Like, I, it's so classic for a company that I was just like, I was like a little, not even worried, but just like, what is going on? Yeah. Um, 
And then we had our summer party, and they, like, announced it at the summer party. Okay. And then, like, I, and then I got the job offer, and, and then I was able to start searching for my replacement. But, of course, you know, at that point, so I had to find my replacement, which took, you know, six weeks. We ended up, fi- ended up hiring someone who was out there at the company, so then I had to find her replacement. Um, and so, it ended, like, you know, if I got promoted, I got told in May, announced in July and started in September. Um, Jeez. But I, it, it had been such a long time coming yeah, that and, it was. And the that VP from the film group who you know had sort of taken on this sort of mentory role for me um, from early on, and because he had you know gone through the same thing. The first he was the first person I told him like when I walked out of that office, I like went in and I was like, just want to let you know like this has happened, and he kind of like smiled and he's like. I want to just get you ready for what is going to be a much longer process than you will ever think possible before <sighs> you're actually off the desk. And then he told me the story of when the exact same thing happened to him, which was the head of our film group promoted him. That was like January. And, and then he went and told the two CEOs, like, you know, the, film, the head of the film group just offered me the job, I'm going to accept. And they were like, no, 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 no. You have to be here for another, like, you have to spend six more months on our desk, and then you can start finding your replacement. So his process was, like, ten months. So I actually oh, felt like, I was like, oh, man, mine was, like, mine was yeah, quick. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jeez. Right. So, it, again, I think, you know, they get scared and skittish, and the idea of, like, losing the person who is so ingrained in their life, and also people are just dicks. Yeah. Uh, you know. It's like a power thing. Yeah, always. totally. Yeah. Uh, but it, even, you know, like, once they're, like, the relief of being offered the job is just like, you're like, oh, fuck it, I can do anything now. Um, and yeah. so this first, like, I think immediately after being offered, it was just, I was just so happy to know that I had, like, gotten this thing. And then I got a little anxious. And also the TV group started sort of, like, giving me more and more work to do because they were like, we offered you this job two months ago. Like, we needed you two months ago. Um, and so they started being very, they started off very reasonable. And by the end, they were like, we need you to like type up these notes and join this meeting. And I'm like, I, I can't, yet. I, I cannot join yeah. the meeting until I'm off this desk. Um, wow. So, you know, but it, we figured it out and, and it all worked out. Yeah. So then did you sleep? You're like, I'll sleep when I'm promoted. <laughs> uh, or like, what was the, what was transitioning to exactly? Like, was it easy since you'd already been doing it or? Yeah. I, I think for the most part, it was not, you know, I mean like, I still remember the very first day, right? So, like, uh, I, like, trained my replacement, uh, like, you know, for a week and a half, basically. And then on that, like, Friday, I was like, okay, I'm going to move into my office now. And it was, like, a big, you know, okay, it's really happening. So I move in my office, and I, like, set up my computer, and I sit down, and I'm like, what the fuck do I do now as a television executive? Um, (laughs) and no one had like such an interesting moment. uh, No one had like said told me, Um, but but again because our department had just you know just been getting by with the uh, number of executives that they had, like there was an immediate need for someone to come in and just start taking work off their plate. So So it's not like you had a lot of time to like sit there and reflect on right the which is good i mean yeah. I, I actually think like the worst thing that happens to people is that their companies promote them because they like them so much but then they get promoted to a job that, that was never needed and yeah. there's no work for them to do you know yeah. and, and you very quickly become 
deemed just like obsolete. Yeah. Um, and that was never, and that for me, it was, if anything, it was the opposite, right? I was like, Jesus, they're asking me to do like way too much right now. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it was, I far prefer that, that approach or that um, paradigm because you always feel like, like you're actually helping. And it's not like they threw me to the wolves and there's a lot of just like training and, you know, it's like they, they were very, very good at sort of like knowing when to step in and like, okay, this is like, you need to be, this is yeah. like something you need to learn. This is something you can handle. Um, but, but I was appreciative that there was, there was sort of that endless flow of work right away because it was never a question of whether or not I would be kept busy. Right. Um, yeah. And you're just so happy to not be beholden to someone's schedule. That is like right. that, that. I mean, that feeling, you know, like you said, it's just like, it's, the biggest jump you'll ever make in this industry, right? Like, it's, yeah. it's such, it is a vastly different, like, li- life experience being an assistant. And, right. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, I can, I can just go to sleep and turn my phone on silent? Yeah. Wait, so did you get an assistant right away when you stopped being one? <laughs> uh, our department shares an assistant. Okay. So, yes. Um, one assistant for the whole TV? It, yeah, it was three, now it's just, now it's just two. He works for two people um so but the head of the tv department has his own no it's the head and i share oh but you guys are the whole department yeah wow um yeah so the other person it's two other people have their own assistant now um you know uh (laughs) we're because we were assistants together like i'm very cognizant of not be you know not like being demanding and for the first, oh that like, is weird because you guys yeah. were like peers to boss yeah and we're friends yeah. and for the first like six months I was like don't have to worry about anything like, I'll do my own schedule like I'll do everything myself yeah. I'm self you know self sufficient uh, and I still genuinely believe that um, but as the job just gets busier and busier like I I didn't even have to ask he was actually like this is why I'm very appreciative he just started like doing that work for me yeah. Um, Again, like our dynamic is very, very different than our apartment heads with his. I'm never gonna like scold him. Yeah. Obviously, uh, but but I do try to sort of take more of the sort of role that like you know that VP in the film group took on with me, which is like uh, we're close enough in age that I can like actually yeah. try to be helpful in a different way and like use me for that. In terms of like the fun stuff, what what was like the scariest thing you had to do for the scary boss? I mean, the biggest fuck-up, and I'm reticent to tell the story because it's so specific, and I'm just trying to figure out a way to generalize it. We did a movie based on a book by a very famous author, and he lives in, like, a Far very away. remote place okay. by design. You know, he's yeah, like those, he's, like, a novelist. He's a writer, yeah. yeah. Um, and so the only way to get to him, you have to, like, well... If you're a billionaire, the only way to get to him is to take your own plane. Charter a yeah. plane. Um, and, and so he was going to visit him sort of like right, right before the movie was coming out. And we had, for the movie, we had made these um, like prop guns, right? That was like very specific to like the book and the movie. Yeah. Um, and we had them basically like make a pair of guns for this author. And... My bo- my boss is like you got to figure out like a like a really good way to like you know present this and so I came up this is still one of the more like 
impressive things that I did working for him. I yeah. basically, um, I had to work with this company to make a, uh, a, um, like a specially designed case that could open, like could hold the gun and then it could open so you could take it out. Um, and then there was a plaque with a quote from the book, right? That you could like sort of see it facing out. Oh, wow. Um, and you could open it and put it against. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I like, make this thing. Um, and, and I sort of like, I think through everything, right? Like I, I like haven't made, so it's going to be done on the, he's going to leave on Friday. It's going to be, they're going to, the guns are, everything's going to be ready by Thursday. Um, and like, it's just long, long, like back and forth process. I even, I contact the charter plane so they know that my boss will be walking on with guns. Like all the things that you think like could have gone wrong. I thought of this. Um, and, and the uh, guns are purely fake. And guns are fake, okay. but but they look very right, right. Like very they wouldn't real. get past yeah. TSA or something. Oh yeah, no, for yeah. sure. Actually, when they had to deliver them to our building, this is a separate story. Our security guard wouldn't let the guy in because he's like, "There's a dude here with, with a bunch of guns and boxes." Um, it's pretty good that your security guard <laughs> yeah, got yeah, that. Yeah, they're on it. Um, but okay, so you know, I'm like so proud of myself, and we, um, you know, they they they. Like, gift wrap the thing and they bring it in there and so I kind of bring it into my boss's office on Thursday and uh, and he's like oh I want to see him I was like oh, fuck okay, so I unwrap it and I wrap it and he's looking at it and he reads the quote and he's Uh-oh. like I don't think that's the quote from the book and I can't quote <gasps> I'm not I'm afraid to quote the book basically yeah, the, you the sentence is it. like instead of like we are it's like where you know, so oh, you it, made a conjunction. Yeah, or however. The or pro- a reverse. Yeah, whatever, yeah. whatever the reversal was, I did it, and I was like, "No, that's what it says." And he's like, "You better be pretty damn sure that's the quote from the book." And I was like, "Okay." So I go back, scour the book. And this is a thousand-page book. So I'm like trying to find the quote. Jeez, you're like heart's racing. Heart is racing. Clock is ticking. I find it, and he's he he is standing over my shoulder so he like he like walks with me out to like the, you know like we're now over my desk going through the book he's standing over my shoulder find it sure enough he's right and he kind of I just like my heart sank I put the book down and I look up at him and he's just like you better figure out a solution real fast he walks back into his office um and I, I'm like okay well my solution is you know what other companies are hiring right now or just like yeah, how do I, yeah. should should I go to law Starbucks? school yeah <laughs> um, but then so I call, you know I call this company that designed this thing that at this point like fucking hates me because we've gone like, it was this, already annoying right was, you know when is he leaving uh, Friday morning so like the next morning okay right? so this is like Thursday two night. o'clock okay no it's, no it's in the afternoon okay um, but he's leaving at like 7am on Friday um, and so I'm like scrambling to call this company and and basically like it it all gets worked out right basically so at one point he walks out and he's like are you like are you figuring out a solution I'm like I, I, yeah I think we're gonna be fine and he's like that was the only time he brought it up and so then it like he you know, goes to this meeting like somewhere else and he calls me he's out and I was like by the way like it's uh you know I, I got it all fixed like I'm gonna drop it off at your house the plaque the you know, plaque's been changed and he's like okay good hangs up I'm like, oh, okay. Calls right back. I need to tell you why this is such a problem. And just fucking ripped into me. And here's the thing. Wait. I mean, just like, 
again, he's not a, he's never been a yeller, so it's not, he's not like, it's not that kind of thing. It's just like, here's why you're a fucking moron. And let me, let me explain in the most, uh, sophisticated, articulate way why you are a dumbass. Uh, and, and which is like, hurts so much more. Like, you know, right. like, I, I like played basketball, like, I can get yelled at, but they're just like, the incredibly Mindset. succinct, yeah. just like, this is, this is actually like a larger problem. Um, and it was just like a 20 do you minute. Think, sorry, really quickly. Do you think he was like, I'm going to let him off the hook. And that's why he hung up. And then he was like, can't do it. A hundred percent. Or or I think it was actually like intentional. I think he was like, I'm going to let him think Have he's off relief, the hook. Have a relief. And then. And call him right back. <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, and, and I will say like, you know, there were actually very few moments where he scolded me where I was like, you're being ridiculous. Yeah. He was mostly, but this, like, there was nothing he said that I disagreed with, It which, which is like, only made it worse. So you know? much worse because he's like, reinforcing your own yeah. fears. Um, so, it was like a 20 minute diatribe, the end of which I was just like, I hear you. <laughs> you're right. Uh, and he's like, okay, good. Hangs up. And then, that was it. And then, and then he, for, he, you know, brought to his house, he flies off, the author sends him the most effusive email, just like, this is the most incredible gift I've ever Aww. received. And he forwards it to me with, like, no words. <laughs> like, no, com- no, like, good work. No, just like, but that was like, but still, that's I read that, you. that was exactly, I yeah. was like, okay, I'm, I'm okay. Ugh, um, I wonder what would have happened if he didn't check it. And then, and, the- but that, that was exactly his point, right? I mean, that's why, like, not yeah. to get into, not to, you know, bring back PTSD on this, but, but his point was, the only reason this is not a larger issue is because I happen to be a huge fan of this book and I happen to have asked to check it. And if it hadn't been for that, I would have handed the author of a book a gift with a with a misquote on it. Yeah. Which is like, that's again, that's fair. It's yeah. really, you know, it's like, that's the difference between having a good artist relationship and having a bad artist relationship. Yeah. Um, so the point is well taken. And you know, for a company that prides ourselves on artist relationships, it's that kind of shit that like you do have to be thoughtful about. Yeah. Which is why I took the criticism well. <laughs> well, <laughs> I took the cry? criticism. Uh, no, I'm not much of a crier, but I See, really, yeah. I really just like I felt, I yeah. felt things, you know. I like to ask uh, where, like, if people ever cried, like in the bathroom at work or in yeah. the car. But I mean, I don't want to play into gender norms, but you're the first guy. So, I like, just, I just don't think my tear ducts work. Um, I, I've I like, think you're dead inside. Just kidding, just <laughs> so, kidding. So do all my ex girlfriends. <laughs> um, I uh, no, I. I I really have never just been much of a crier. Yeah. Um, but, like, definitely, you know, those kind of things were just, like... Yeah. The job, inevitably, even if you operate at, like, the 99th percentile right. of assistance, like, you're going to fuck up. You're yeah, just, you're always you're going to. You're presented too many opportunities to not eventually have a fuck-up or two. Um, and, and when that did happen, because I am so type A, and, like, you know, it just, like, it just, like, it devastated me. And I think, you know eventually you get to a point where you can kind of move past it that one hurt for a while yeah um, but even like early on just that like you know, you make some dumb mistake and like that you know when i was at the agency right like you some stupid little mistake that would like wouldn't even like wouldn't even rise to the level of needing a lecture would just yeah. be like a come on dude and then like and that would be you know, that my boss would yeah. be like, come on dude and then move on and i would spend like 30 minutes just being like oh yeah. And like, you know, emails are flooding in, the phone's ringing, and like, yeah. 
but that's you know you start you do sort of tough I think like you kind of do need to toughen up a little bit in that way totally um, and so like you have to yeah, I guess slightly tougher but no one yeah. would ever describe me as tough <laughs> it's not a bad thing yeah well thank you this was awesome good yeah. I really liked yeah. it thanks so much to that non-assistant for sitting down with us you guys we have more hot, hot episodes. Um, the new one will be dropping in under two weeks, so make sure to subscribe. In the meantime, um, have a good couple of weeks. Thanks so much. <laughs>